Okay, so Second Chronicles. Chapter 1, verse 1, we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the Old Testament. It says, Now Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. And so, by this time, uh, he... He uh, has weathered a few storms right before his father David died. Absalom's full brother, who is also, of course, David's son, Adonijah, uh, attempted a coup, attempted to uh, take over as king. And uh, he gathered with him Joab, who was the head of the army and had so many incredible feats during his whole life. I mean, Joab was just an amazing warrior. He also gathered to him, that is Adonijah, Abiathar, the high priest. And he's barely, he's between 60 and 20 years old. In first, in first, um, yeah, first Kings, when he's praying, he, basically, he says to the Lord, I'm a little child, and I don't know what I'm doing. Give me wisdom. We'll see that again tonight. So between 16 and 20, and uh, the Lord put it all down. The Lord quelched it. And I think it's just so very important. I'm not, I'm not going to go through the whole history, but the first two years of Calvary Chapel in the city, there was more spiritual tech than all the other years combined. I mean... Uh, a couple people tried to come and actually take over uh, the church. It was really, really quite extraordinary. And uh, Satan attacks hardest when you launch out in faith, when you launch out in faith for the Lord, when God has called you to do something and you launch out. Uh, just to, tonight, today I was talking with um, a woman at church about about uh, 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 leading a certain ministry, and I just said, this is going to be a lot of spiritual opposition. And uh, it's true, and we always evaluate that when we are putting someone into leadership because we don't want to be unfair to them because it really involves more spiritual op opposition. When you, when, when you get into leadership, um, it's a serious thing. And so uh, that... The, so Adonijah, Absalom brother, tries to take over, gathers to him the general of the army and the high priest. I mean, can you imagine how daunting that is to a young boy, uh, or he's 16 to 20, that's not, you know, he's an old boy, he called himself a young child um, at the time, but, and just the faith that it would have required, uh, now he did have some good people around him to encourage him. But when you've grown up as a little child and Joab was like this military superstar of the whole country, and then even the high priest is gathered to this other brother of yours who's an older brother. So Solomon was, he had a lot of um, uh, brothers who were older than him. 
but the Lord, I, get, I tell you, the Lord, one of the verses that I, I, I pray all the time uh, is Ephesians um, chapter 2, verse 10. You guys know it very well. It's Many of you know it very well. It says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And then here's the important part, at least for what I'm saying now that we should walk in them. So all the time, no matter what's going on, there's just Satan's throwing spears um, at me and, and, and arrows. And I'm just thinking, I, I always think of Ephesians 2.10, all I need to do is walk. That's all I need to do. <laughs> I, I, I don't have to feel, I don't have to feel nothing. <laughs> in other words, I may have no confidence in moving forward, but I still have to put one foot in front of the other, and you will just see the Lord clear your path. I'm just all the time. I, I, I have um, in my own mind, we'll get to verse two eventually, by the way. Uh, I have in my own mind something that I think of. I've seen these pictures of these Russian uh, icebreakers that go across the Arctic. Have you guys ever seen these things? It's just absolutely amazing, these, these ships that they have, and I think the United States has them too, but they just go right through the Arctic ice. And, and to me, that's a Christian of a, a, a picture of a Christian just moving forward. Uh, it, it, that it, God's gonna chop up and bust up all that hard stuff that is in your way, but you gotta walk. You have got to walk. And that's what he did. He just walked forward and away Joab, was taken care of away, Abiathar was taken care of, and 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 away Adonijah was taken care of, and so second thus Second Chronicles chapter one verse one, it says the Lord his God latter half of the verse was with him. See that's all you need, that's all you need. The Lord God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. Verse 2 says, And Solomon um, spoke to all Israel. And by the way, at this time, where we left off, and it was about a month ago when we left off, First Chronicles. Um, the end of First Chronicles is about David. Uh, the, the, at the very last few verses of First Chronicles, David dies. But uh, in, the, in the preceding couple of chapters, it's all about David uh, giving his son Solomon the plans for the temple and giving him all the gold and money it was necessary to do it. And then um, telling his son, verse 20 of First Chronicles 28, be strong and courageous. God will not leave you or forsake you. And then in chapter 29, um, David speaks to the assembly to... Uh, to support Solomon, and then they wind up giving. They rejoice in in their um, giving, and uh, and then the very uh, verse twenty two of the last chapter uh, of First Chronicles it says they made uh, Solomon the son of David king the second time. There had been a one coronation, and there's another, and uh, and then David dies. So here we are. Uh, we will. It's first. 
First part of Second Chronicles is about Solomon. And uh, it says that he spoke, verse 2, to all Israel, the captains of the thousands of hundreds, to the judges and to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the fathers' houses. Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But David had brought up the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim to the place which had pre- David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. So, in verses 3 and 4, we have this very curious thing. We don't know the reason for it, but if you remember in the book of Exodus, God gave, uh, God gave Moses the plans for the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was a tent that was set up and put down um, as the Israelites traveled around the wilderness. And inside the, that tent was... Um, was, uh, or actually in front of it was the bronze altar, but in, there was also a, a labor, a, like a washing basin for the priest. There was inside the tent, there was a golden lampstand. There was the table of the showbread. There was the altar of incense where the incense went up, um, just representing the prayers of the saints. But then there was the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments in it and also the, uh, some manna, and also uh, uh, the uh, Aaron's staff, which had budded into an almond tree. And over that was the mercy seat, and there was the presence of God. Um, somehow along the way, they got separated. Uh, David, uh, they got separated. They, they, the, the Ark of the Covenant actually was stolen by the Philistines, but when it came back into Israel, they didn't put it back in the... Uh, in the, in, the, in the tent for some reason. So in verse 3, it says the tent was in this place called Gibeon. And then in verse 4, it says the, the Ark of the Covenant was in Jerusalem. And so it says in verse 5, Now the bronze altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord, Solomon, and the assembly sought him there. And so they leave Jerusalem. They go to this place where the, uh, where the, everything of the tabernacle is there except the Ark of the, of the Covenant. And, and Solomon uh, seeks the Lord there. Notice how it, it, it says he sought him there. He's not just showing up at church when you just show up at church and that's all you do, that's a big problem. When we show up at church, what the Lord wants us to do is seek him there. It says Solomon and the assembly sought him there, seeking the Lord. So important. Verse 6, And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Now, there are many kinds of offerings. Leviticus chapter 1 goes through the different kinds of offerings they had. The burn offering, sin offering, a trespass offering, a peace offering, 
fellowship offering. But the burnt offering, and here he gives a thousand burnt offerings, um, that was the offering specifically to consecrate your whole life to the Lord because they burned the whole animal. The whole animal was burned. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, in view of God's great mercy over your life, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, as burnt offerings, holy and pleasing to the Lord. That's a reference to burnt offerings in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and so, in a sense, we still have a burnt offering, even though Jesus fully fulfilled burnt offering, we're supposed to go out and, and be a living sacrifice, a living burnt offering. And that's what our life is like um, as we're obedient to the Lord. And um, so he gives a thousand of them. Um, verse 7 says, On that night God appeared to Solomon. We know in First Kings it was a dream. I have to say I've only had one dream that I know for certain was from the Lord in my whole Christian life. I guess God doesn't trust me with dreams. It'll puff up my head or something. Now, now, some of you in this room have dreams on a fairly regular, regular basis um, from the Lord, and I, I wish I was you, but I've only had one. But here, here um, it says he, he appears to Solomon, which is a big deal, by the way, and, and he says, ask, what shall I give you? And so here we are on a Tuesday night in Boston on September 20th, 2022. What would you, how would you respond to that? If the Lord said, ask whatever you want, what would you say? Just reflect. You don't have to, to call out now. But, but, but what, what would you say? He, said, he said, ask, what shall I give you? That's quite a statement from the Lord. And Solomon said to God, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. So there's nothing wrong, by the way. I, I circled that. I, I, I circled those two words. He made me king in his place. You know, there's a, there is a false humility sometimes that a Christian can have. And uh, I don't know. They're, they're, they're teaching Sunday school or they're leading of a ministry. And, and well, I, you know, I don't really know why I'm here, you know. But, but it's, it, it's a good thing to just acknowledge that, you know, God has placed me in this place. You're not honoring and blessing the Lord to try to pretend that you're, you're so humble that you don't even belong where you are. God put you in your place. Do you deserve it? No, but he did. He made me king is what, uh, is what he says. And that's even though he had older brothers. It's interesting. David was the eighth son, and God made him king. So the world has this thing that, you know, the oldest son... Or the oldest daughter, they're the most important. David was the eighth son. And this, I don't know what number, we don't actually, I don't think we can know what number uh, Solomon was because David had, unfortunately, so many sons with um, concubines and wives and this type of thing. But um, uh, it says, verse 9, Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established. 
So God had promised David that he would give him a son that would reign in his place. Let me let your promise to David, my father, be established. So very important, whenever you see a prayer in the Bible, that you study that prayer, because God wants you praying. And so one of the things you do when you pray is you recite the promises of God to God. So important that you recite the promises of God to God, whatever those uh, promises uh, may be. There's, there's many, many of them. So here he's reciting to God a promise, not because God doesn't know the promise, but sometimes we need to recite them, what the promises are. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude, end of verse 9. Verse 10, now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before the people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Notice how he doesn't say, who can judge this great people of mine? I have in my prayer journal that the... This, this quote earlier from David, it says David realized that God exalted him to be king for the sake of his people, God's people, Israel. He puts the place, he puts you, you guys in certain places for the sake of the people you're serving, the Bible says. Verse 11, then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, And you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over which I have made you king. Verse 12. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor for uh, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. And so the Lord grants him the request. And so as you reflect, what would you say if God just showed up in a dream or a vision or, uh, or Jesus Christ shows up in person to you and says, ask, what shall I give you? You know, I, I, Solomon's a, a, a boy now, somewhere between 16, 15 or 16 and 20. I don't know, you know, when I was a brand new believer, how I would have responded to this. But I got to tell you, if you are um, single and you're in your 30s or 40s, or if you or have been married for some time and you're barren, you can't have a child, or you've been out of a job for a long time, what are you going to say? There is a t temptation to go for the material thing. And uh, that's a big mistake. You know why? Because... The Lord is not going to uh, 
the Bible says the Lord's a debtor to to no man. He's not going to, if you ask him to, for wisdom or to know him better, to love him more, he's not going to, well, I guess I'm not going to then give this person a wife or a husband or a job or, or you know, or standing in the community. He said, that's not who the Lord is because he loves you. The Bible teaches that your number one priority as you're speaking to the Lord is to get your life in the Spirit in a good place. And that when that's in a good place, you're safe to bless. Most Christians that I know are not safe to bless monetarily, like with money and a lot of power. It would just ruin them. But if they focused on the Lord, seek first the kingdom of God, and get to the place where they're safe to bless, that's when the material blessings start coming. Now, that does not mean that you're not allowed to ask for a promotion, you're not allowed to ask for a job. But I'm talking about God shows up and says one thing, and I'll do it. Ask, what shall I give you? I don't know what I would have said 35 years ago to the Lord. Today, I think I would say this. Lord, I pray that I would know in all the fullness that you're willing to give me that you love me. That's what I would ask for. Because I'm convinced when you know the fullness of how God loves you, everything else is taken care of. Serving him, staying away from sin, time in the word, prayer. I'm not saying that's what you should say at all. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people, I think I've heard Freddie on this, uh, say on this that he probably should have asked for the same thing his father had, which was that he would be a man after God's own heart. Because the problem is, is that God was clearly pleased by the request here. It says so. But it, it, there's a, there's a, the, the, it indicates so here that he was pleased by the request, that he didn't ask for riches and honor and power. But the problem with wisdom and knowledge is um, you can have wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is what to know, and wisdom is how to apply the knowledge. It didn't help him when it came to temptation. So eventually, um, eventually he falls big time. I mean big time, like worse than flat on his face. He, he, he falls. And, um, but it was a blessing that he, he didn't look around at the other kings of the world and say, I want to be stronger and bigger and more powerful than all of those. But it's an important question to ask yourself because it really should be the priority in your prayer life. The life of the Spirit. God, make me into a person that is after your own heart. God, make me a person that understands how wide, long, high, and deep is your great salvation. God, make 
make me a person who knows how much you love me. Make me a lover of people and of you. These kind of things. Those things get get put into place in your life, and then you will start being materially blessed. Uh, that is the clear pattern of the Bible. Last Sunday morning, we uh, had the testimony from VJ. Uh, I think it may still be up on YouTube. I'm not sure. Is that still up on YouTube? Do you know? You don't know? It's not. It's not. It was. It was cut. <laughs> we 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 uh, we just put the sermons on, and we usually we we uh, cut out the worship, and we put on the uh, the sermons for people. But uh, you know, she is an accomplished woman, and she has all kinds of awards, and she goes all over the places all over the world, or try to get her to speak. And but she didn't set out. She just set out to be a lover of God. That's it. She wasn't even thinking about all this stuff. And so, same thing with Solomon. He was like, I just, I'm terrified, Lord. I have all these people. In First Kings, he says, I'm a young boy. Uh, please help me. And so he, he um, the Lord grants the, the request. Verse 13 says, So Solomon came to Jerusalem from the high place that was at Gibeon, from before the tabernacle of meeting and reigned over Israel. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. Also the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedars as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowlands. Cedars, um, incredibly valuable hardwood. I don't think, I think termites can't get into cedar wood, as I understand. The, the insects, it's just too hard of a wood. I think I, I shared with you um, a couple months ago, being in the Amazon this summer, just running into people in the Amazon illegally logging uh, they were cutting down cedar trees, and uh, it's incredibly valuable stuff. It's like red gold. It, it, um, it really is, even to this day. And so uh, uh, he made them as abundant as sycamores, which are in the lowland. Verse 16, and Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kaveh, the king's merchants, bought them in Kiva at the current price. They also acquired and imported from Egypt a chariot for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. Thus, through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So if you know your Bibles well, and if you've been with us for any length of time, you read verses in 16 and 17, and whoa, it's a red flag. Faith, can you grab that red sweater for me? I just, I need a prop. So you read um, verses 16 and 17, where it's, it talks about Solomon getting horses imported from Egypt, and it's like, it's a red flag. See, this is my prop. Not a very good one. It's not really cooperating. But, um, uh, and why do I say that? Why is that a red flag? Because in the book of Deuteronomy, and, and I'm sorry if it, 
I'm saying this over and over as we go through the uh, Old Testament. David uh, did some of the similar things from this, from these verses. So I probably have noted this verse in Deuteronomy 17. Moses talking to the children of Israel right before they got into the land of Canaan, which we now call the the land of Israel, but they weren't there yet. They were on the other side, and he's telling them, listen, you listen to me here and obey everything I say. This is from the Lord, and if you don't, you're going to be in big trouble. And one of the things he said in Deuteronomy 17, uh, he says, when you get a king, you please note, king, when you come into power, he's really speaking to a future per- person. Verse 16 of Deuteronomy 17 says, do not multiply horses. Do not multiply horses. Do not multiply wives and do not multiply silver. Couldn't have been more specific. And so red flag here um, in uh, verses uh, 16 and 17. Actually, it, 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 it's, it's even more specific. It says, you shall not m- multiply horses, Deuteronomy seventeen sixteen, nor go to Egypt to multiply them. Don't go to Egypt and get horses. Well, what does Solomon do, do right here? He said he had horses imported from Egypt. Anyone know where his first foreign wife, as the Bible says that we'll read about in a little bit, that his foreign wives uh, drew his heart away from the Lord. Where was his first foreign wife from? Egypt. And so you say, well, why in the world? Why does God not want him to multiply horses? Why does he not want specifically for him to go down to Egypt to multiply um, horses? Well, he doesn't want him to multiply horses, meaning he doesn't, he, he doesn't want thousands and thousands and thousands of military horses because he doesn't want a king to trust supremely in his army. He wants the king to trust supremely in the Lord. And specifically, he doesn't want to go to Egypt because Egypt is Egypt. Egypt is filled with sensuality, sexual immorality with foreign gods, foreign practices that will draw you away from God. And so there was really two things there. And, and um, so this is, man, it's just the seed of a problem here. And, uh, you know, I'm, con- I'm just convinced that Solomon didn't have the same kind of folks surrounding him as David did. So you remember David, he had, uh, he had Nathan who would come up to him and just hit him between the eyes. Whoa, bro, why are you, in, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this, bro? It doesn't appear that Solomon really had anyone like that. You know, it's, and it's very difficult when, when someone's in a position of power to confront a person in a position of power. But here at the very beginning, it would have been nice if, if one of these folks had, had, had gotten uh, to him. 
I mean, even Joab came to David, I think, more than once. Like, what are you doing? You're, 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 you're going down a path of sin. So David was smart enough to surround himself with men who were willing to confront him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Solomon, someone should have said, hey, you know, book of Deuteronomy, man. And uh, I'm convinced that his wisdom and knowledge got in the way. He had so much wisdom and knowledge, he was convinced that the rules didn't really apply to him because he was, gonna, he was smart enough. He was smart enough to be able to deal with these, with these certain prohibitions. So, you know, I, I have enough, someone who says, I, you know, I, I have enough... And I see this all the time, that, you know, I, I have enough, I'm smart enough to, to go into a bar where everyone's getting drunk. I, knew, I, I know enough not to say no after a couple drinks. I, I know enough to do that. Is it, and I could give you a thousand other examples of that. But it's the beginning of the end when you, uh, when you think that somehow you are smarter uh, than everyone else. Where There's a clear word in the word of God that instructs you, but you're like, no, you know, I, I get it, but I'll be okay with this. Let's go to chapter 2. Chapter 2 says, Then Solomon determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal house for himself. What time is it right now? Just want to make sure that... What is it? 8.05? Yeah, I think that, that clock is wrong. I think my, that's my phone, Faith. I'm sorry, Faith or Freddie. Can you get me that? Just want to make sure. Thank you. Sorry, 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 sorry. There it is, 8.05. Then Solomon determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal house for himself. Verse 2, Solomon selected 70,000 men to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry stone in the mountains, and 3,600 to oversee them. So this was going to be a massive operation. And then, he set, then Solomon sent to Hiram, king of Tyre, saying, now Tyre is modern-day Lebanon, and they were the masters in woodworking, but also the masters in basically gold working, bronze working, iron working, everything working. Even um, cloth and that type of thing. They were the masters. Now we know from uh, we know from Second Samuel that Hiram was a friend of David. The Bible says. God loved David, rather that Hiram loved David. So he had, a, a, he had had a relationship with him. And it says, if you, as you have dealt, verse 3, as you have dealt with David my father and sent him cedars to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, 
I am building a temple for the name of the Lord my God, to dedicate it to him, to burn before him sweet incense for the continual showbread. Remember, there was 12 pieces of bread, 12 loaves of bread inside the tabernacle. And the same thing will be inside the temple. And there they were replaced, I think it was once a week, and there was 12 of them, one for each tribe, and that just represented how God continuously provides for his people. Let's continue. For the burnt offerings morning and evening, on the Sabbaths, on the new moons, and on the set feasts of the Lord our God, this is an ordinance forever to Israel. So I, I got to obey the law to continue the burnt offerings morning and evening. By the way, it was a lamb. Jesus was the Lamb of God. The Lamb was slain every morning and every evening. That's all a foreshadowing of the coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, And the temple which I build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. Now that's really offensive, isn't it? Isn't it that offensive to say that? You know, they're, they're, we, we just got to be really careful about, uh, it. you know, the Bible says that love is not rude, it's not insensitive. So uh, it's important that we're not that type of Christian who thinks we have a license to just go up and offend people. But at the same time, if we're obedient to the Lord, we can't help but offend people. Hiram in Lebanon, he does, more likely than not, he's not uh, a believer in Jehovah. It's possible. He says later, later in this chapter, he refers to Yahweh, that he made heaven and earth. But most Bible commentators say that's just like Cyrus did um, and others who they're just, it's one, it's like, it's like, it's like Hindus. They, if, you, if you speak to a Hindu about Jesus Christ, they will not deny Jesus Christ, but he's just one God in their pantheon. So he's, he's speaking here to someone who is probably a pagan king, and he's saying, our God is greater than all gods. And it, it's just, it, it's, I've shared this before, but you know, a lot of the folks in the church, we read the autobiography of Charles Finney, and one of the things that he says, I read this to the elders at the elders' retreat, he makes a point of saying, Boston, more than any other city I've ever been in, is scared of offending people. The Christians in Boston are scared of offending people. That was 200 years ago. I remember, I think it was Louis saying, whoa, he's speaking 200 years ago? This is true today. <laughs> and... and, and uh, uh, it, it, so we got to be very careful uh, not to be... The Bible says love is not rude, love is not insensitive. That's 1 Corinthians 13, something like verse 6. But at the same time, we can't go overboard and say love means never offending anyone because the Bible says love sometimes is offensive. We love people by offending them. And so in Acts chapter 4... When Peter and John were speaking 
to the high priest. I believe it was the high priest. Yep. They had been arrested. They said, you know, you need to stop talking about Jesus. Their response was, there's, there's not salvation in any other name. Nor is there any other name under heaven given among men by which must, we must be saved. It's really offensive to people. But Jesus did say in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So love, you have to, you know, love sometimes means, means offending people. This is Solomon when he's doing good. I think we read in 1 Kings that God loved Solomon and Solomon loved God. So he's I believe he's deliberately putting this in there. He's saying, I don't want to offend him. I know he was the friend of my father, and by the way, I really need him. Be very careful People you need something from, like your boss. Be very careful that you don't shut up and never speak about the Lord because he's your boss and he gives you your promotion. Be very careful of that. Or some, someone else you need something from. He really needs this guy. He needs his wood, he needs... He needs people who know what they're doing to build the temple, but he doesn't, he doesn't shy away from language that might very well offend this guy. Verse 6, But who is able to build him a temple since heaven and the, since heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Who am I then that I should build him a temple except to burn sacrifice before him. So he's very clear that this God is a God that, you know, heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain him. At the time, remember that deities or gods were localized to a particular area. So the Philistines had the God of their area, the Syrians had a God of their area, and he's saying this God is the God of heaven and, and earth and, and the heaven of heavens can't contain him. Who am I then that I should build him a temple except to burn sacrifice before him? Verse 7, therefore send me. This is why he really needs Hiram because he doesn't have people who know, how to, who know what they're doing building a temple. Send me at once a man skillful to work in gold and silver and bronze and iron and purple and crimson and blue, who has skill to engrave with the skillful men who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Also send me cedar and cypress and algum logs from Lebanon, for I know that your servants have skill to cut timber in Lebanon, and indeed my servants will be with your servants." to prepare timber for me in abundance for the temple which I am about to build shall be great and wonderful. And indeed, I will give to your servants, the woodsmen who cut, tim cut timber, 20,000 cores of ground wheat, 20,000 cores of barley, 20,000 baths of wine, and 20,000 baths of oil. So 
in return for the cedar and also the skilled laborers, which he, did, he really, really needed to build the temple, he gives food. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, answered in writing, and which he sent to Solomon, because the Lord loves his people, he has made you king over them. Hiram also said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who made heaven and earth, for he has given King David a wise son, endowed with prudence and understanding, who will build a, a temple for the Lord and a royal house for himself. So again, in verse 12, some Bible scholars look at that, and they're in the, the minority, but they say, oh, this guy was a believer in Jehovah and a proselyte, a true Hebrew or Jew, a converted Jew. It's probably not the case. Again, he was comfortable. He was polytheistic, believed in many gods. And so uh, where he's believed to be at this point, polytheistic. And so Yahweh probably was just one of many gods. But verse 13, he says, And now I have sent a skillful man endowed with understanding, Huram, my master craftsman. So he sends his best guy, apparently. Verse 14, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre. So take note. His mother was a Jew. And his father was a man of Tyre. So his father apparently was um, a pagan, wasn't a believer in Jehovah, but his mother was a believer in Jehovah. A, a mixed marriage, don't want to do that. Now, I know at least one pastor I respect, he, he, he says this should be a red flag too because if you look at the guy who's mentioned in chapter 1, this guy from Exodus, um, his name is verse 5 of chapter 1 is Bezalel. Um, it says he was filled with the Spirit of God in the book of Exodus. And this guy, it doesn't say, I don't believe it says anything like that anywhere. In fact, his, he was raised by a father who was... Um, who is not a Jew, and maybe that's a red flag. I don't know about that. But he's not a full-blooded Jew. He just goes down, and it says he's skilled to work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, stone and wood, purple and blue. So not only metal, not only wood, but also when it says purple and blue, that this is referring to cloth, textile, fine linen and crimson, and to make any engraving and to accomplish any plan which may be given to him with your skillful men and with the skillful men of my Lord David, your father. Now, therefore, the wheat, the barley, the oil, the, the wine, which my Lord has spoken of, let him send it to his servants, and we will cut wood from Lebanon as much as you need. We will bring it to you by, to you in rafts by sea to Joppa. Remember, that's where Peter was hanging out in Acts chapter 10. It's the ancient city of Joppa. And you will carry it to Jerusalem. So that's a pretty amazing word picture, right? Some Lebanon down to, to, to Joppa, these, the sea filled with cedar logs making their way down. Verse 17, then Solomon numbered all the aliens, 
means the foreigners or the immigrants who were in the land of Israel, after the census in which David his father had numbered them, and they were found to be 153,600. And he made 70,000 of them bearers of burdens, 80,000 stonecutters in the mountain, and 3,600 overseers to make the people work. And so it says he made them. So these, these weren't exactly slaves, but they weren't exactly free people either. They, um, if it, in the previous book, I think in First Kings, they were on a rotation where they worked four months and they were off eight months, so they would go back to their farm or whatever. And, but it, it, it does say he made them. Now, in my own personal Bible study now, I'm in... Uh, I'm in... Uh, First Kings, where it just talks about Rehoboam. Oh, no, yeah, it was the First Kings. Yeah, it talks about Rehoboam and the problems that um, he faced uh, when people showed up right after Solomon, his father died, and they said, "Your father was really, really hard on us. Would you please loose?" Um, um, lessen the load, and he listened to his friends he grew up with, and they said, don't lessen the load, and increase the load. And so that's why 10 of the tribes were torn away from Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And I, and I, th I look at this, and I wonder, it, this is the beginning of that. It, it, he, he made 70,000 of them bearers of burden. Now, I know they were aliens, but they were still people in Israel, and any time you have this many people, it says there were 153,000. They're going to have, uh, eventually you have enough of them, they're going to make a stink if they're not being treated fairly. But they, So this is, it's not slave labor, but it's, they, they weren't freemen either. And they were, um, uh, it, it could be that um, this was part of the, 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 the problem that uh, later led to his son losing the, uh, much of the kingdom. I'm not, I can't be certain of that. But again, this is the beginning of the temple. We see um, Solomon here. He's still in a place where he's, he's following the Lord, he's loving the Lord, he's being obedient. But you see the very beginnings of what eventually would be his downfall. 